Mark chapter 6. I'm going to read only one verse of Scripture. Verse number 38. Mark the 6th chapter. It's in the middle of a story. But for the sake of time, I, I know you're going to know what it is when you turn there. But I want to draw your attention to verse number 38. And it is Jesus who is speaking, and he asked this question. And he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And everybody said, Amen. I thought this morning about all of the sermons that I have preached from this pulpit over the last 18 and a half, almost 19 years. I would say that it numbers into the thousands. I don't know. I don't have a record of it, but I do believe that I have quite a few sermons uh, under my belt. There are times when you come to preach and you know that you're preaching for a person, that you're preaching for a particular individual. You may not know that person, but you know there's a need. Then there are times when you come when you know that everybody needs to hear what you're about to say. And I don't, I don't say that braggingly, but I say that sincerely today. Everybody, everybody, everybody in this building needs to hear the word of the Lord today. I want to talk to you for a little while about unrealized possibilities unrealized possibilities and everybody said amen smile turn to your neighbor high five them tell them it's good to see them in the house of the Lord today you may be seated in the presence of the Lord life confronts us with many questions and many perplexing dilemmas Often in life, we are called upon to face things that are too great for us, demands that exceed our resources. Some of you sitting here this morning over the last year have gone through life-changing situations uh, that have brought you to a brink perhaps at times of despair but many are the times when we are called in life to face situations that exceed our ability to face so many people today are disturbed by what they face all of us long for so much we want more we desire more and there's nothing wrong with that everybody i would hope and believe in this place today would like a better life we all would like a better situation some of you would like a better job some would like a better home environment some of you would like a better you you would like a better uh, person that lives inside of you to show itself. 
But when we are faced with the meager resources that we have, we are often dismayed because the demand is greater than our resources. Some today are looking at their situation and they are saying, I can't do this. I I can't face this. I can't deal with this. Many people today realizing that the demands are great are intimidated by their lack of resources. Often we are staggered in life by the disproportion between our meager resources and the things that we are facing. We are staggered by the inequity between our meager resources and the things that are against us. We are staggered in life by the disproportion, the inequity between our resources and the present need. The disproportion between the efforts that we can put forth and the magnitude of the task are poles apart. What are we among so many? And what difference will it make if we do try? What difference will it make if we make that effort? Even as the disciples, John records the same story. And when Jesus asked them, how many uh, or, or how much do you have here to, to use or to work with? One of the disciples came back and said, we have five loaves and two fish. But what are these among so many? What are these among so vast a crowd? What are so few of our resources going to do against so much that is against us? And only Jesus knew the answer to that. But he did have an answer. Many times in life it seems that we are working against a stacked deck. Anybody ever feel that way? That no matter how hard you try and no matter how much effort you put into it and no matter how many times you go back to that same thing and you take the Word of God and you say, you know what, I'm better than this. I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to rise higher. How many times have we gone back to that situation only to realize that the deck is stacked against us, that the odds are against us, things that we are facing are greater than we have resources to deal with. There are limitations and there are handicaps and there are hindrances and There are burdens and there are difficulties that we come against. And we feel like we are working against a stacked deck. That every time I make two steps forward, something pushes me a step backward. Every time that I determine in my mind that I'm going to be better than this, I'm going to get this, I'm going to defeat this, I 
find myself working against odds and I have the handicap and the limitations and the hindrances that come into my life and the many difficulties that try to prevent me. How unequal the contest is. How unequal the contest seems at every turn. Think about it. Five small loaves looking into the hungry mouths of 5,000 men. Five small loaves looking into the mouths of 5,000 men. Those disciples on that day did not dream of the possibilities that lay on that hillside. Who would have thought or who could have believed that there on that hillside were the resources that were needed to effect a miracle? That there among the multitude, there among the thousands and the throngs, there in their midst on that hillside were the resources needed to effect a miracle. They could not fathom what was actually theirs. They could not comprehend what was there on that hillside for them. And so it is with us today. There are many unrealized possibilities of life. There are many unrealized opportunities. How often we sell life short. How often we give up at the wrong time. How often we throw in the towel at the wrong moment. This miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 teaches me many things, but the thing that stands out above all of the lessons that I learned from this miracle is that Jesus awakens to us possibilities. That when he comes into the picture, when he becomes part of the moment and he becomes part of where we are and what we're going through and what we're facing, he awakens in us possibilities. That no matter how bad it may look and no matter how bad it may have been, when he steps into the picture, something changes. The whole scenario shifts. The whole feeling and atmosphere is transformed because Jesus awakens possibilities, present possibilities, things that are available right now, things that are within our capacity even this morning. The question that often comes to us in moments of crisis is how much? How much is the most pressing question of life when we are faced with such dilemmas? What's it going to take to meet this crisis? How much knowledge do we need or have to have to undertake the present circumstances? How much faith do we have to have to undertake a bewildering situation? How much money will we have to have as we look out upon the unbelievable needs of the hour? How much will it take? 
What are the resources that we have to work with? What are we going to do with what we have? Do we have enough? Not much, he said. Not much was there. Not much was reported. They said, all we have is this. And what is this among so many? Say that with me. What is this among so many? The odds are stacked against us. What is this in the face of the task that confronts us? And so the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 teaches some very important principles. Number one, it teaches us that we have to use what we have, however meager it may be. We have to use what we have. If we're going to affect a change in our life, if we're going to see something different than what it is, if we want this picture to change, we have to use what we have. We can't wait for it to improve. We can't wait for it to grow. We can't wait for it to multiply. We cannot be afraid to start with what we have. This miracle teaches me that I have to use what I have. The second thing that it teaches me is that until I use what I have, we will only have what we have. That until we are willing to put what we have in His hands, we will only have what we have. It will only be five loaves and two fishes. And what is that against so many? What is that against such odds? What is that against this crowd and throng? It would be like Black Friday. I read somewhere, and I'm going to tell you my philosophy on Black Friday, not that any of you ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I would rather pay $10 more and not have to fight than go get my life threatened or killed. Everybody said amen. Now, if you're in the market for Black Friday and you love that, just go have your day. But I heard there were fist fights. I heard one lady uh, said something to another lady about don't push me. And she turned around and a lady just cold cocked her and knocked her flat out on the floor in Walmart in Texas City. <clears throat> and uh, I heard somebody say, yeah, you're going to give me that because I've got a gun. Now, if you want that kind of stuff, you like that kind of excitement, you just go get it. You have all. But I figured this out, and this is what I read the other day about Black Friday. There are generally only four or five of the items that they have for sale at that particular price. And when you compare your odds against several thousand getting, it'd be, you'd be luckier playing the lottery than getting a Black Friday good thing. I mean, now you might. Now, there might be one among us that got something or somebody else might have. But the fact is, the majority of people that go out on Black Friday, they just get suckered into buying more than they went out to buy to start with. Now, I know you didn't ask for that. But Black Friday is a... It, 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 it's, it plays on this, this mentality that we have that we're going to get something for nothing. And the truth is you don't get anything for nothing. It's like the old adage of life, there ain't no free lunch. 
the way. Amen. Thank you. About the, the king that ruled this large kingdom and he brought all the wise men together and he said, I want you to, I want you to, I, I want to leave something to posterity. I want you to put together the knowledge of the world and, and I want it to be brought together in a vol, in volume so we can, uh, we, we can fix that for posterity's sake. And so they got together and they, they started studying and drawing together and they came back and they had these huge volumes of book and the king looked at it and he said, oh, that's great, but you know what? Nobody's going to stop and read all that. And so he said, you go back and condense it. So they went back and came back a few months later and they had brought it down to five volumes and then down to one volume. And he said, you know what? I don't even know if they're going to read that. It was like an encyclopedia. He said, I need you to simplify it. So they finally went out and came back with this and this was the condensed wisdom of the ages. There ain't no free lunch. They're just not. You're going to pay. The problem is people look at what they have. They look at where they are. They look at what they're facing. And they want more, but they're never willing to use what they have. And until we use what we have, we're never going to have more than we have. The Word said, give and it shall be given. Now, you know what? Most people relegate that to this right here. They relegate that to a preacher's text that he just wants more offering or he wants you to give more tithe or he's trying to get in your pocketbook. And so we relegate that principle to something financial when the truth of the matter is Jesus was trying to establish a spiritual principle that until you give, until you learn how to open up, Whatever it is that you have, you will never have more than you have. If you want more, you've got to be willing to use what we have. If you want more, you start using right now what you've got. And Jesus taught these disciples, if it's going to grow, it's got to be used. If it's going to grow, it's got to be developed. And so he gave them the lesson. Thank you, brother. The third lesson that he teaches is that no matter what our deficiency is, he has none. No matter what our lack of resources, no matter how short our funds are, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he also owns all the gold and the oil and the resources that are in the hills. Whatever your deficiency is, don't lay that on God. God has no deficiencies. Number three, number four, God requires some basis upon which to, rest, to rest His bounty. He needs what you have. He needs what I have. And only then will his bounty rests upon it. If you will give him but the dust of the ground, God will form it and he will breathe into it life and it will come and take on his likeness and his image. If you give him the obedient trust which feels its way along the street, 
that it may wash in the pool of Siloam, he will cause the blind to see. If you will give him five loaves and two fish, he will feed a multitude. If you will give him our simple resources supplemented with his power, always equals a glorious outcome. Give him what you have. Somebody say, give him what you have. It may be a shout. You may have a cry to give him this morning. You may have a great amount of energy. You may have a great deal of strength to offer. You may come with pockets bulging with resources today. You may come into this service this morning with everything you need right now. But some of us aren't like that. Some of us only come with a whisper. And some of us only come with a sigh. And some of us only come with a feeble effort. But be that as it may. Give him what you have. Do it anyway. Give it to him anyway. We cannot wait until a better day because a better day may not come. Amen. The multitude was fed with their substance. They never dreamed such a thing could happen. Never. I read the story of Niccolo. Pagnani, who was one of the most celebrated violin players of his time. He left his mark as one of the pillars of modern violin technique. And they study, even to this day, his technique for playing the violin. When he was invited to come to Paris to play at the Royal Opera House, the city of Paris was in great uh, expectations of what an opportunity it was. It was like Mozart or Beethoven coming to play at their symphony. And when he appeared for the first time on the stage, the aristocracy of France had gathered to hear him. And so it came his time to enter the stage and Pagnani, in his peculiar ghostly manner, the story said, he glided onto the stage and amidst the breathless silence of the expectant throne, he took up his violin and he commenced to tune it. And as he tuned one of the strings of the violin, it broke and everybody just gasped. Their, their breath was taken from them. As they realized the dilemma that he was in. And undeterred he continued to uh, tune his violin. And the second string snapped. And, and now they were all in a tither. What's he going to do? Is he, does he have a reserve violin somewhere? Is there some kind of way out of this? And only to their dismay did he continue tuning. And the third string broke. Now he's left with one string and a whole crowd of people waiting for him to play. The people waited. Finally, Pagnani smiled grimly at them and he raised the bow. And they say that on that instrument with a single string, he drew music that seemed almost divine. Sometimes in life, 
you have to play with what you have. Sometimes in life, strings are broken. They are broken by tension and pressure and wear and tear and the usage and the lack of attention that we give them. They're broken because they are pushed beyond their limits. They break. What do you do when that happens is often the making or the breaking of a life. There are days when you have to play with what you've got. You may only have one string, but play anyway. We would like for it to be better. We would like to be in better form. We would like to be in better shape. We would like to be in a better position. We would like to be in a better setting. But the fact is we are where we are. So what are we going to do? Play anyway. I've said it often and I'm going to say it again this morning that in the game of life, many times you have to play hurt. But play anyway. The thing that I always hated when I played sports was what we call the loser's limp. Anybody ever know any, anybody know anything about the loser's limp? Somebody gets beat in a game and they come hobbling off the sideline like, well, you know, I wasn't 100%. You know what? Nobody's 100%. Get that in your mind right now and get it down deep. Nobody in this building is 100%. None of us are perfect. And if we're not careful, all we do is go through life with that loser's limp. Well, I'd be better if, or I'd be this if, or I'd do that if, or I'd be there if, or I would, I, I, I would if I could. And the fact is, you can if you will. Amen. There are days when you just have to play with what you've got. We would hope for a better presentation, but it is what it is. The fact is, life today is broken for a lot of people. Things are not copacetic like we would like them to be. You know, we have this Hollywood image still in our mind of how life ought to be. That beaver cleaver kind of mentality about life. That home and jobs and personal relationships and walking with God ought to be a certain thing in a certain way. And, and we don't measure up. We try as hard as we can, but the, as hard as we try, there are some days and even some weeks when we fail miserably. And if we're not careful, we allow the enemy to beat us down and tear us apart and intimidate us by what we don't have. Look at what's against you. Look at what's expected of you and look at who you are look at where you are look at what you have and what you have and where you are is not enough until you get him involved and then when he gets involved there are possibilities that come into play the fact is the strings of life are broken this one is taken away how do we live we have to play anyway this is lost. Another string breaks under the tension of life. And this thing goes wrong. What do we do? 
We lose this or that from our life. We lose this person or that person. How can I go on? We must go on. There are times when you just have to string it up and play with what you have. Another string breaks from the usage of life and we're down to our last string. How do we face it? We play anyway. How unequal the contest seems at times because the odds are stacked against us. We think about what we've lost and we think about what we don't have and we think about how short we are and we think about we're missing this or we're missing that or we don't have this or we don't have that and we've lost so much after all that I've lost brother Hughes I I ought to be bitter and I ought to feel alone and I ought to feel lost and I ought to be devastated but sometimes we are called upon in life and we have to play We can't wait for things to get better. Because it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. Just remember, God uses weak things to confound the mighty. You need to use what you've got. There are some of you this morning sitting on these pews that have struggled with some things in your life over the last few months. To the point where you feel like giving up. What is this against so much? I'm fighting so much. I'm, 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 God, there's no way I'll ever overcome this. There's no way I can ever get this thing turned around. There's no way I can ever fix this. There's no way this is ever going to be different than it is. What, what do I do? You've got to use what you've got right now. You've got to bring however... Small, whatever insignificance it is, you've got to put it in his hands. Because until you put it in his hands, it's always going to stay what it is. It's just going to be that insignificant nothing. But when you take the five loaves and the few fish and you put them in the hands of the master, he can feed the multitude. You can give him just dust. You can give him a sigh. You can give him a cry. You can give him a whimper. You can just give him this. And if God sees this, that's all he needs to work with. He can take this and turn it into a route. He can take a stone, just one single stone, and find the forehead of a giant and bring a Goliath down in your life if it's in his hands. But until you put it in his hand, until you learn how to do what Pagnani did that day, it's Play with what you've got. Oh, we wish it was better. We would hope that it would be better. And we dreamed of it being better. But the truth is right now, life stinks for some people. But you've got to play anyway. You've got to play anyway. When you have to play the concert of life with what you have, play it anyway. It's not perfect. But who cares about perfection? God will take care. What's the answer? How much do you have? How much is there? And the answer comes back, not much. Not much. Give it to Him. Give Him the fragments. Give Him the undeveloped capacities. 
put it in his hands, and he becomes the miracle worker. Because the responsibility of the outcome does not rest on you, it rests on him. It's his game. You see, some of us have never gotten that, Brother Joey come. We've never figured this part out. We think it's all about us. That's why we're so locked into our little world. But this is not about us. This is a story about him, and we just get to play a part in it. Amen. And sometimes we're called on to fight his battles. And this is what I've learned about God. That if I'm willing to fight his battles, he'll fight mine. If I'll play with what I've got, Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we do feel alone. Sometimes we do feel like there's just too much to overcome. Play anyway. Try anyway. Sing anyway. Worship anyway. Amen. Why? Because the outcome is not in your hands. It's in His hands. How this thing is all going to work out, it's not about me. It's not about whether I win my battle. This is about his battle. And if I am willing to play with what I've got, to bring what I have and put it in his hands, there's a miracle in the making. Oh, God, I wish you could awaken us today to the unrealized possibilities that are in every one of us. That on the hillside of life where you are right now, where you are right now, there are possibilities that will blow your mind. Look at what I've got. Look at what's against me. Some of you, I'm talking to somebody right now. On this post-Thanksgiving Sunday, I'm talking to somebody. That in your mind, you haven't done it in your body yet, but in your mind, you have come to the point of giving up. Because when you look at that mountain that is against you, just... I can't overcome it in myself. I can't put it behind me. It's just I've got too many things against me. I've got too many things that are against me. And God sent this preacher to tell you that on your hillside right now, there are some unrealized possibilities. That if you'll play with what you've got, and play it with all of your might. God, I'm not perfect. Ah, oh, God, we, we don't even want to talk about my failures. But I'm still here and I'm still trying to play. That's what matters to God. Somebody ought to reach out to Him right now and thank Him for that opportunity that's there for you. Atalabo kondoraba, ilobo koriatalaba.